Welcome to Couch Sessions by YWAM Heidebay. On this podcast, we sit down with YWAMers to have interesting and challenging conversations on their journey with Holy Spirit and how they live their day-to-day lives with God. So come, join us. This episode is hosted by Stephen Bruyne. So on this podcast, we have the great privilege of talking with Richard Ostrom. Richard Ostrom has been in YWAM for the last 22 years, and he's got an amazing story on how he came to the Lord and what he's moving in now with how God is leading him. So welcome, Richard. And um, I just wanted to ask you a question. How did your journey with the Lord start? I came to faith in 1996. That is uh, 24 years ago. Mm. Uh, quite a radical encounter like... Soul going on the way to Damascus, basically. Uh, in those times, I lived in Amsterdam. I was 34 years young. And I was living in a lifestyle a bit different than being a missionary in the Christian field right now. I was kind of a gay activist living in Amsterdam, living it out, experiencing it all. Till suddenly this kind of, as I have to describe it, kind of a, a hunger came inside of me to get to know a bit more about religions and Christianity. And long story short, I walked into a church just wanted to try it out, expecting that they would reject me because of my lifestyle and who I said I was. Mm, yeah. But I met this elderly lady preaching the gospel to me, just radiating Jesus in a way with all her joy and peace that it was contagious. And the way she explained the gospel to me was so crystal clear that mm. the invitation of do you want to follow Jesus was not that difficult for me to uh, to answer. And I said yes, not knowing what would come. And I mean, that's the next 24 years. But it was uh, it was quite shocking for me. Because that's where I had this encounter with the Lord. And I just knew that I knew that I wanted to follow Jesus no matter what it would look like. Because I got no Christian upbringing whatsoever. So Bible, prayer, that whole thing was basically totally new to me. And yeah, that was a was a rocky journey because I, I didn't know what to expect. I ended into mission a year and a half later because I was so on fire for following Jesus. And he did so many things in my life that I decided to quit my job and yeah, do it. A training for the mission field so I ended up in YWAM. Mm. So what was that experience like then stepping out of that kind of field that you were in also with the previous one and a half years where you were slowly coming more and more to the Lord to understand him what was it like stepping from that place into YWAM with also all of your past and all of your history involved in that? Yeah, I was living in this in this call it an alternative lifestyle. This this is my story. It's not that every person with who calls himself gay, which I did in those days, would to be totally emerged living in that lifestyle. But but that was my story. Mm-hmm. So all my things, to, except for work, I had a regular job. But besides that, outside of that, the swimming that was my sports, uh, vacation, clothes, everything was in that in that subculture. Yeah, all my friends, of course. So then suddenly I exchanged that for. In following Jesus, that was a personal decision for me with God, of course. But also my whole environment changed because of that. Because I no longer felt I wanted to stay in bars and, and get drunk and use drugs. And not because they told me in church, okay, if you follow, follow Christ, you have to quit that stuff because of whatever. I just didn't want it anymore. So that was a big change per, for personal decisions. But also the the whole circle of friends, you know, no more... All the, the, the people in the gay lifestyle and all the things that I did, the the, the bars, the, the clubs, the, the dating, all that yeah. kind of stuff. I exchanged that for, yeah, I sometimes told people like my Friday nights were before my conversion till deep in the night in the yeah, out life in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Party life, clubs, uh, whatever. And then suddenly I exchanged that for a prayer meeting with a plastic cup of coffee as yeah. we're used to in this country and uh, with, with some older people praying for whatever comes up. That was an amazing change. 
a big one as well. It's easy to to express that right now, but yeah, losing friends is never an easy one, even though it was mm. they didn't reject me. That's why I left them. I basically stepped away from these relationships. And that was not always easy, but I knew it was the best to really get out of that lifestyle mm, as much yeah. as I could. So then that experience when you started stepping out of that lifestyle and you decided to go into YWAM, what was something about YWAM that attracted you to it? Why, why did you choose to go into YWAM, not into some other organization or some other school that you could go into? I got introduced uh, to YWAM in 1998. 1998 for, was for me a kind of a magic year mm-hmm. before my conversion because being a gay activist and a swimmer, I combined these two. And in 1998, we were supposed to have the, or Amsterdam organized the Gay Olympics. And I was determined to help make that into a big success. That's why I moved from the city where I was born, Den Haag, the Hague, to Amsterdam. Oh, wow. But then making these choices to follow Jesus, other people heard about what has happened in my life and the change that and the healing that God brought into my life. And they said, you know what? You got this story and we're going to do an outreach with an organization called Youth with a Mission. Never heard about it. And would you be willing to share what has happened to you? And I was terrified because, you know, at school to have a speech, I was always trying to, to fill out the blank, you know, as, as, as late as possible, postpone it because don't put me in front of a group. So to be there in front of a group of 150 people, all Christians and come there with my yeah basically my trash and my misery and of course also the 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 wonderful story of a conversion but i said yes so i i stood there in front of the groups told told my story and way too much details but that's i think what most of us do when you first testify it's 90 percent about your misery and then 10 percent about jesus <laughs> anyhow that that that's what it was that i did but there was an outreach following uh, the day of giving lectures and testimonies just looked around and saw all these people on fire for Jesus from all nations. That was nothing new for me in Amsterdam, of course, but also in the mission field. So they told me, or basically in, in, in Youth of the Mission, in YOM, it's p- pretty much a saying that I have. I said, you don't ask a person for his name. You first ask, where have you done your DTS? So I heard about DTS. I thought, what the heck is that? So they explained what it was. I thought, hmm, that sounds pretty nice, you know, to right. set aside half a year for God and but when I saw these people so on fire for the Lord, that was that was so contagious. And I was on fire for the Lord for what he was doing on a daily life. You know, there mm. was only one thing I could talk about. Not always that pleasant for the, my colleagues at work and the people around me. But I saw that, like, I want to be part of this. And so the base director, he came to me, he said, like, great, you know, we're going to sign you up for DTS here in September. But in the meantime, I was already accepted in uh, on a DTS in September at, at Heidebeek. So that's how I ended up oh, wow. being here at Heidebeek, where wow. we're sitting right now. And then from there, you went, after your DTS, you went back to Amsterdam. What was the main thing you were doing within Amsterdam as a staff member there? During my DTS outreach, I went to Uganda. And one of the things that we do is we ask the Lord for the next step. And it was basically, for me, a prayer where God just agreed with my plans. I mean, that was what I was thinking because mm-hmm. I wanted to go back to Heidebeek. You know, you're here in the middle of nature. It's a beautiful area. I've been always been a sports trainer. So now God could use my talents as a trainer to train young people for the mission field. Mm, yeah. So I go back to Heidebeek, right, God? And God said, Mm-mm, not right. You go <laughs> to Amsterdam, the city of my old past. And they're like, no, you know, but it yeah. was so clear that there was no resistance. My resistance was broken because it all made sense. Uh, I joined the CLEF team there. The CLEF yeah. is a ministry in the heart of the red light district, reaching out with the gospel of Jesus Christ to the homeless, the addicts, the ladies behind the windows, as 
you in general call prostitutes mm -hmm. and the ladies on the streets, the street prostitutes and done that for several years. But in the meantime, God really called me to reach out to the people and where, yeah, from the, the, the basically the group where I came out of. Mm -hmm. So to bring the gospel to the gay community. But he explained it to me in, in a way that was pretty clear for me. He said, I'm going to call you for this ministry, but it's going to be first the Jew and then the Greek. And I immediately, even though I was a brand new Christian, I just knew what he meant. Like first the church and then the outreach. Whenever you're ready for the outreach, mm. we're going to... We're going to get you there. So that's what I started doing more and more. So out of the cleft, I started this teaching and counseling ministry mm -hmm. called Compassion, spelled with a K. Yeah. And yeah, it's been doing ever since. First in Amsterdam and now since the last two years here on Heidebeek. Yeah, because I still remember from um, my DTS hearing about your, your ministry because I also had some issues of my sexuality. And I remember having a conversation with you for this exact purpose. Mm -hmm. That was one of the reasons why I was so excited to bring you on because I know your story and I know the impact you had so what was one of the more in a way daring stories that you had while I was traveling to these churches and sharing what was one of the more daring things that God has asked you to do while sharing I remember it was in the in a church in Urk Urk is a small village a fisherman village quite we could call it a very Christian village mm -hmm. and I thought that I was going to speak for 30 people some leaders from churches over there so I showed up and they brought me to a church and there were 350 people, including the press. And <laughs> that's where I had to take a deep breath and said, okay, Lord, you're in control. I didn't see this one coming, but, you know, I'm, I'm ready. Just, but please help me. Give me the words. Yeah. And I remember that during the break, because I didn't know there was a journalist, but a journalist came to me from the a local newspaper. I won't call the name, but he came to me and he said, you know what? I came here basically with my article written already he said mm. i know what christianity says about the whole issue of homosexuality etc etc and condemnation and he said but you know what i heard your story and i'm really blessed by it he said i really have to rewrite my story on what i've heard from you because mm. there's more to say wow. about this whole topic he said i've seen the the person also behind it and also biblical truth as you explain it but also you know what you go through as a person mm. and the resistance yeah. that you even get from churches and gay lifestyle so that was a it, it started as a, a challenge where i would prefer to walk away from mm. and it ended up in something being really special wow so in that journey where you were, were stepping out into these churches and going into these places was it very regular for you to kind of be challenged on your situations? And how did you, how in love were you able to preach what you were preaching without making other people feel condemned? Because that's yeah. something so easy when we're talking about sexuality, when we're talking about these topics, people yeah. feel so condemned so quickly. Yeah. So how are you able to push through that in a way? Yeah. What I try to do when I'm speaking, testifying to a group of people is, yes, what I believe and what I believe what the Bible says about identity, sexuality. But I mean, that, that applies for every single person, not just people with the background that I have. And also, you know, I share from firsthand. This is this is my story, and this is not my theology. It's my story, and if you don't like it, well, too bad. But it's my story. Yeah. And especially the fact where 
after three years of walking with the Lord or making the decision to follow Jesus, that so many things started changing in my life. Even also the the, the room to find, to give room to to attraction to the opposite sex. And that's where I met my wife also in in Amsterdam at Wawen. Mm-hmm. And we started a relationship. We got married. And in general, when people hear it, they, some people get offended because you're denying yourself. And they're like, okay, well, that's there's nothing wrong in the biblical sense with that. But you're denying yourself. I don't know what they mean. And you know, you were born like this, so it it, it can turn out into a bit pretty good conversation. Yeah. But what I try to stay away from is the real preaching about it, and mm-hmm. especially the condemnation. Mm-hmm. Try to stay away from because I've done it this way. This is the way it is, and you will have to do it my way. Basically, yeah, that's what people are allergic to, and I understand. So I always try to especially highlight the, 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 the personal part behind it. And that there's a person also behind what you see. There's a person behind and a story behind the person that you see on the gay parade in the Netherlands here where we yeah. do a canal parade where people are parading on boats and be kind of extrovert in their expressions. Exuberant, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you shared the story of these people being so exuberant and being able to share within love and within peace. Within that story, is there a key person or a specific situation where somebody has clearly been so strongly affected by a testimony and you being able to help them through your testimony i hope many because of course i'm, I'm doing counseling and sharing a lot for mm-hmm. years already but there's one that i think stands out uh, in 2004 a book was written about my whole life story oh, wow. and two years later was translated into into english and then it wasn't one day that i got a phone call from a brazilian pastor serving the lord as a as a pastor in uh, in Australia. Wow. And he said, you know, let, let me share something. He said, I walked the other day into a Christian bookstore. He said, I was just, you know, going through some books for counseling, the pastoral. He said, and then suddenly I saw the, the title of your book, which really stood out. And the English translation, even though I hate it, but is a guy who was gay. I never liked that title, but it served the purpose, especially at that very moment for this man. He looked at the title, he took it out, he thought like, this is my story and nobody knows about it except God and myself. This is the time. If this guy is so open about his story and this is what God wants to do in a person's life, Lord, here I am as a pastor, you know, work with me from the inside out. He said, I've been so blessed by what God has done in your life and the fact that you have been willing to, you know, be vulnerable and let people write a book about it. He said that definitely has changed my, my life. So... It was great to hear. That's where finally I gave up my resistance against the the horrible title of the book. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, that's so powerful that even a book, which wasn't even you talking face-to-face with them, that that your testimony has such an impact on people's lives within this issue, within this subject, because within Christianity, it's so difficult to talk on this subject. Mm -hmm. It's more of a taboo subject that we kind of avoid and ignore and allow people to be people and to say, ah, you do you and I won't judge you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's so powerful that when your story actually gets shared, that you see people, even pastors, getting a huge impact from these stories. Yeah. In a previous story that you shared, you were talking about how you were going from churches first to the Jews and then the Gentiles. Are you still now focused on the church or are you already stepping out also into the, in, in quotations, because you can't see my fingers, <laughs> to the Gentiles, yeah, to yeah. the people also on the streets? Or are you still more focused upon the church in this season? 
my main focus is still yeah, teaching in churches, right. giving a pastoral course of, for the church to give some tools in the area of how to, to counsel people. Well, counsel is a big word, in, especially in English, but how to give pastoral aid to people struggling with mm. sexual identity issues. Counseling, of course, to personal to people themselves is not a part of it. And the outreach part, I've done several. For instance, in the United States, it's been wonderful, but it's not the main thing right mm -hmm. now. And I don't feel really strong desire at the moment to go to like a gay lifestyle and testify there. Mm -hmm. There might be time for that again. And I'm not afraid of it. And it's just not happening right now. Actually, the Lord rebuked me once because I... <laughs> I asked him, I said, God, why is the whole outreach part of compassion not working so far? And I thought, like, he's going to give a great strategy of how we're going to do this. He said, because you don't love the people. And that was such a wow. slap in the face. Wow. We might call that a holy slap in the face. And right after that, I didn't even have time to respond. He downloaded uh, AIDS Hospice. And I thought, like, <laughs> you must be kidding me. Part of my story is that my partner died of AIDS so, you know, I know all these AIDS hospices and where people die under mm -hmm. horrible circumstances, including my own partner. And I thought, like, you're not asking that from me. But it was silent, so I knew that means I've said enough. So I Googled and I did the word uh, hospice and AIDS in Dutch. And I got right there to a ministry in, the, in Amsterdam. But it was just closed, so I ended up for the people who were taking the clients over, the patients over, and that happened to be a Christian hospice. Mm -hmm. And there I got yeah, into body work, uh, mm -hmm. working as a body. Mm -hmm. And I've had several guys with, uh, yeah, with a gay identity. So it was not the big bars to go in with my Bible, but it was one-on-one -on -one mm. listening to other people's story. And of course, when you are HIV plus and... In the in the stage of AIDS, it's 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 quite intense. Of also because mm -hmm. it hits home of, for me, of course. But uh, yeah, the Lord brought me all the way back from big vision to just one on one and start developing your love for the people. It was quite humbling. So how did you, in a way, deal with that? How did how are you able to? Because from your past, from your history, how are you able to form such love for these people? Because it it can be so hard for us to form that relationship and that love with people because of just our mindsets behind it how are you able to push through such kind of adversities for your emotional state talking about your partner's death talking about these things to going and spending time with these guys who are still in the gay lifestyle who, mm -hmm. are, who are still in this way already dealing with aids how are you able to push through and even love through that that's been a really difficult one i mean mm -hmm. there's no switch that you mm -hmm. can turn on and say like now now i love people i put on a good christian smile and here i am yeah. you know god had to do deep work in my heart because of course these were not the people i hated that would be ridiculous to say because i've spent many years living in a gay lifestyle and you know i've had my fun there as well i had my friends i've seen the good stuff i've seen the bad stuff but that's the same as walking with christ you know you also see the ugly stuff happening sometimes yeah. But it has been confronting because on one hand, there is the love to, to also show the beauty of following Christ, of who he is. Mm -hmm. Most of the times when I, when I start talking about Christ and especially the decisions that I've made in life are not always so welcome. I mean, a lot of people living in the, in the gay lifestyle, especially when you go to Amsterdam and you hang out in the clubs, you might encounter a couple of people who have left 
their small villages, Christian villages sometimes, because when they came out of the closet, there was no room for them in the family and the village and the church anymore. So rejection all over to end up in Amsterdam. So if in Amsterdam I, t- <laughs> I share about Jesus, a lot of people get offended by it. So that's why it's not always that easy to uh, to start the conversation. But again, I can speak from what it has done in my life. Yeah. And I totally understand their way of thinking because I've walked in parades where I saw the people on the side cheering with rainbow flags, but also people holding up signs with God hates fags and burn in hell. And where I thought, you know what, there might be a God, but no way that you're going to see me in church. Because if this is the invitation, then I'm just out of there. And I see a lot of wounded people also by the church. And that, that's got my passion to, you know, to not talk religion and not talk condemnation, but really to point them to, you know, the best friend I've ever had. The most wonderful, I think, example from that, but that was a Holy Spirit intervention. On the way to the, the Outreach 1998 Gay Games, the opening of it all, so that means 50,000 people in a brand new stadium called the Arena in Amsterdam, the Ajax Football Stadium. So we went there with our outreach team, with our Bibles and our flyers, but we were outnumbered big time by rainbow flags, pink and purple and whatever you can imagine. And suddenly standing in the in, in the in the metro on the way to the station, I hear, hey, Richard. So I turn around and I saw this guy. I thought, no, not here, not now. It was a guy from my gay swimming team from The Hague where I started the whole thing and said, hey, nice to see you, a bit of a lie. And... He said, so how's life? He said, yeah, great. He said, how's love life? I said, awesome. He said, really? He said, do, you have, do you have a relationship? Uh, another guy he said, do, do I know him? And at the moment when he asked that, do I know him? It kind of got foggy around me. I know it's creepy. And, you know, if, if you've been walking with the Lord, you might understand a little bit of it. But it got foggy around me. I didn't have any attention. Could even couldn't even see other people in a full metro compartment. And I said, well, I don't know if you know him, but his name is Jesus. And I started sharing the gospel with this guy. And I heard from my team that it got totally quiet. Everybody shut the conversation. Of course, these were all flamboyant gay people, the guys, the girls, all celebrating. And it got totally quiet. And everybody was listening to our conversation, which I didn't have a clue of because it was one big fog. And they said, this was amazing when we got off. I said, what? He said, you didn't notice? I said, you? said, you talk to this guy. Said, oh, yeah, he's an old friend. He said, but you, you didn't see what happening. Everybody was quiet and listening to you guys' conversation. I thought, okay, God, this is an awesome start. This is the opening of the games. <laughs> yeah, so I had a great conversations with many people, of course. I participated in the, in the games four years prior to that in New York City. So I had a lot of friends still from there. And I saw them and I said, hey, are you participating? No, I'm not participating. Oh, but you're here to support. I said, well, yeah, maybe a bit different. And then, you know, I gave the real purpose of being there to share the love of Christ. Yeah. You're kidding me. Don't tell me you get out of et cetera, et cetera. Etc. And some people got angry, and others were really interested and wanted to hear more. And yeah, it was a, a challenging, but for me also an awesome start. Wow, that's that's such an amazing story to to be able to just hear about the impact when you, somebody with that same lifestyle comes and talks, and the Holy Spirit comes. That yeah. it really clearly makes an impact on a large group of people. Yeah, you said you said during that a lot of times we come to these conversations in a wrong way. Mm-hmm. That we come and we come with our pickets and our flags and we yeah. say all these bad things. What would be a good way to communicate and to relate with these people that it's in a non-threatening way? Yeah, I think in the same is for any, any other person. 
Mm. You know, we, we look at, uh, at the Gospels and we see what Jesus' attitude is. He recognized the person and we can say, love the person. Okay, that, that's quite broad, but at least he listens. Mm. You know, he listens yeah. to the story first and then out of his love, he gives direction where he knows it is the best. Mm. So when I talk to, let's, let's say if I would do it over again and I walk into a gay bar or whatever, if I talk to a person, if I put my agenda on the table, like, you know what? Jesus loves you and they already know what's coming after. Yeah, he loves you, but he doesn't like what I'm doing. But that's, you know, closed door for the conversation. Then, then you better pack your stuff, including your Bible, and just leave. Yeah. But if I get to know a person in general, I mean, this is not tactic. This is me being a person, being Richard. And if I talk to another person, then I want to hear a story, you know, and we listen to one another's story. And that's it, you know. I'd feel okay if I walk away and have not shared the gospel, but it would be nice to exchange some contact information that there might be a second talk. And, and sometimes it does come to the whole area of sexuality, homosexuality, whatever it is. And then, of course, you know, I share my experience and the other person might think what he or she thinks about it. But ne- first, first listen. Uh, said the same with when people come out of the closet and I'm the first person that they talk to. You know, I can pick up my Bible and get some scriptures and say, okay, this is what God says, what he intends it to be and this not. And But the person has already done some homework and knows exactly what is where. Mm-hmm. But to, to, to listen to the story and also the fact that, you know, if someone dares to come out with something so vulnerable, then our response is key to the next move in that person's life in this area. So if I... My response is, well, you know what, and I I feel that as well. I really feel honored that you want to share this so delicate thing for you in your life that you want to share it with me because that indicates that there is trust. And if Mm. it indicates there's trust, then probably I look like a trustworthy person. Well, I can take that compliment. I love that. But it gives responsibility as well. So if I'm trustworthy, then I better meet the standards as well and leave the word condemnation way out of the the equation. Yeah, so it's kind of like looking at people without any judgment in your eyes but saying hey you're still just human yeah it's not coming to them and going oh you're you're homosexual you're gay it's coming to you saying you're a person watch the story yeah let's listen yep. let's just let's not come with our agendas or our mindsets no. let's just yep. come and say hey i don't care what sexuality you are i don't care yep. about these things i care about you as a person yeah i would do the same conversation if i go to an old people's mm. home and i sh- you know, get a talk with an 85-year-old lady and, you know, I listen to her story. And wow. if I'm a safe person, maybe she will bring stuff up that is very delicate and, yeah. you know, I can minister to her. Wonderful. Yeah. So, Risha, going back a little bit to the beginning, when you said that this little old lady prayed for you and really made you passionate to follow the Lord and come before Him, how did your mindsets change and how did God lead you within your mindsets to sexuality and to being gay and those things? First thing that comes to mind is one time after a service, a lady approached another lady approached me, and because she watched a Christian channel where my testimony was recorded, and she looked me in the eyes with a big smile, where I thought like, "You know me, I don't know you." And then she explained she watched the the documentary, and she said, "Isn't it great how God has healed you from from homosexual to heterosexual?" And I'm an easy talker, but I was speechless at the moment because I didn't know what to say. And then what came out of my mouth must have been inspired by the Holy Spirit because I'm not that clever myself. I said, you know what? I think my story is not how God changed me from gay to straight. 
my story is amazing grace. I once was lost and now I'm found. Coming back to your your question, I've always identified myself before coming to Christ as I am homosexual. You know, it took me years to finally get there. Then I embraced it, lived it out, became an activist because I'm kind of radical now for Jesus, but in the past with another agenda. But basically what happened at the age of 36, so two years after following Christ, I came out of the closet with my heterosexual feelings because the story is at the age of eight, nine, I've seen heterosexual pornography that was so gross that for me shut the door for healthy heterosexual feelings. Mm. I was totally shocked and afraid for something like that ever happening to my life. So I prefer to just shut off the whole sexual part and that doesn't work in puberty. Mm -hmm. So combine that with the feelings of rejection from my own dad, homosexual feelings started developing. I started looking for basically the, 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 the typical masculine things in other guys. And I thought, okay, then that means that I'm gay. I don't like it, but that's the way it is. So I built my whole identity around that till I came to faith. And I realized that my core identity is not my sexual preference, no matter if it's heterosexual or homosexual. That's not my core identity. My core identity became I'm a child of God. And by saved or by grace, I am saved. You know, I'm a new creation in Christ. That was my identity. And then, yeah, when you talk about my sexual identity, that is also part of, you know, how, what what I am, but it's not my core identity. Yeah. Yeah, Things have really changed, but it was not my sexual orientation is my identity. Yeah. And that, that was a big change. So it was also easier to, you know, tackle all kind of things that are influencing me as a person, Mm. but always from as I would say it from, from the rock where, where on which I stand, is that is a firm foundation. Okay, I'm preaching right now, sorry. But that is the firm foundation. All the other things in my life, you know, God is shaping me from day to day. And sometimes I go forward and sometimes I go back, you know, that's, that's yeah. life as it comes. So also in that area of, of sexuality, things have definitely changed. But I've, what I've seen through all this, this digging into, you know, other testimonies, but also psychology, the the... Yeah, that some parts have really changed in a sense of, of being attracted to it could easily happen in my walk with Christ in those years and, and still that I can get fascinated by another man. And then I pause for a moment and think, like, okay, why, where does the fascination come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and nine out of 10 times it is that the person embodies something that I basically would like to be or the characteristics that he have, I would like to have. And then I think like, okay, you know, I bless you the way you are and I don't want to be you because it's never going to work. If this is something that I feel inferior in this part of my identity, you know, I can choose to work on it or not. But the fact that I get attracted has nothing to do with I'm born gay yeah, or something like that. And that's the idea of being able to renew your mind and renew the ways that you think that you can change your processes, that it's okay if, oh, I thought this, okay, why? what what was the purpose of this like what why did why did i think this and how does god see this yeah in a way of kind of forming that change in your mindsets yeah because it was never my plan to mm. to get married you know yeah because the lifestyle that i've lived was never being faithful to a partner mm-hmm. and i thought you know if i cannot do it in that life how can i do it with a woman and then you know kneel down at the altar till death do us part in yeah. maybe 50 years time. I thought like, no way, yeah. you know, I'm going to be like Paul. 
full of the Holy Spirit and with the Bible in my hand, I'm going to go all over the world. And that's what I did with YWAM. And then God brought this beautiful lady on my uh, on my path. Yeah. And that rocked my world yeah. because it was not my first <laughs> my first preference, basically. Yeah. But it was his plan for my life. And I, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Never regretted it. We're together now for 19 years. So, wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. All right, Richard. Thank you so much for joining us. And I would like to ask, could you close off in praying for all of us yeah. that we can understand more God's heart for the situation for these peoples? <laughs> because it's such a people group that's so misrepresented within our communities and within our cultures. Mm -hmm. Could you pray for our hearts to be renewed and to be redefined to be more like him? Father, I thank you that, uh, yeah, that you're such a good God, Father, and that uh, your desire of, uh, to relate with us is so uh, so intimate and so personal. And Father, I pray that the way you're relating to us, that uh, we will be able to yeah, to extend that to others as well. Lord, with the same love that, that you show us in your word and through your spirit, Father, that we see others as well. Lord, that we will never see the problem, but the potential in other people. And Lord, that... Uh, yeah, we will be even brought to a place where we can sacrifice our own lives to bring others closer to you. So, Lord, help us to uh, to love without condemnation. It never goes together. Lord, to uh, to be the fragrance that you have been when you walk on earth, Father, through your spirit, that we will be the fragrance of Christ, a safe place for people. Help us, Father, to stay away from from condemnation to yeah, when we reach out to other people or in our friendships. Father, I pray for the church for the body of Christ, especially in this area of uh, LGBTQI+. Lord, that uh, they will represent you, Lord. Lord, that we're not going to condemn, that we're not going to exclude, but love people with the love that you love us with. Lord, give us that, that wisdom and these tools for the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You're welcome.